Hi, Earth to Humans listeners. My name is Serena Simons, and before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to announce that Gregory Haddock, our longtime senior producer on the Earth to Humans podcast, will be leaving us to embark on other exciting new projects and podcasting. We're going to miss his sense of humor and incredible energy that he brought to each and every episode, but we look forward to sharing exciting new stories with our listeners into the next year. So thanks for hanging in there with us as we transition roles, and now back to the show. And welcome to the Earth to Humans podcast. My name is Serena Simons, and I have my awesome podcast producer, Aishwarya Shreeder, here with me. And Ash, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Where are you right now? Hi, Serena, and hello, everyone. I am from India, and I'm in Mumbai right now. I'm a wildlife filmmaker and presenter, and I'm so glad to be doing this show. Awesome. So, you know, Ash, I was listening to this episode and right off the bat, I was so impressed with your, um, your interviewee. She is so young and so, so, so articulate and well-spoken. And I just, I want to know a little bit more about her so that we can kind of set the stage for our listeners. Who is Malati? You know, what is the organization that she's been dedicating herself to? And tell us a little bit about her. So Melati Weissen is the founder of Bye Bye Plastic Bags. She and her sister Isabel, they got together and they started this organization when they were 10 and 12 years old. At such a young age, they had realized the ill effects of plastic and they wanted to do something about it. And that's how this organization was born. And they envisioned it, they went out there and they achieved their goal. Because today, Bali is completely plastic free. I mean, the government has banned all forms of single-use plastic for that matter, which is incredible because today she's a 19-year-old changemaker and a youth icon for the world, in fact, I would say. I mean, it's pretty amazing what she's been able to accomplish. I mean, she she is part of the reason Bali is plastic-free. I mean, that's, that is amazing. And some people will work towards their entire life to achieve something like that. And she's done it in a, in a matter of years as a, as a really young person, as a teenager, basically. I mean, that's amazing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, she embodies the motto that young people can change the world. That's amazing. Well, great. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her story. And I think the listeners will really enjoy this episode. I hope so. So let's jump right in. Perfect. Hi, Melati. How are you? I'm good, Aishwarya. I'm so excited to be on this podcast with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. So you and your sister, Isabel, you all started Bye Bye Plastic Bags at the age of 12 and 10, right? Yep. So what inspired you all to start this movement at such a young age? Yeah, I I mean, it's insane to think about the journey that we've been on almost seven years now. Um, When I was 12, I, you know, had this strong connection to the environment. That's as simple as it is. It always goes back to the love that we have for the environment. And growing up here on the beautiful island of Bali, we were surrounded by nature every single day, whether it was to the beach, to the mountains, through the rice fields. Nature was our everyday. 
And so it wasn't rocket science to start seeing plastic having a negative impact on the environment around us. And we said, enough, what are we going to do about it? And I think that's the beauty as well of starting at 10 and 12 years old is that we didn't question it. We just said, how can we do something now? And so without a business plan, without a strategy, we got started on Bye Bye Plastic Bags. Wow. I mean, to start an organization at the age of 10 and 12, I mean, when you're a school kids, that is incredible. And how did you go about in your mission of banning plastic bags in Bali? I mean, what was your plan like? Yeah, so I mean, like I said, we really had no clue what we were doing. We just had this big vision and this big idea to make our island home plastic bag free. So the first thing came really naturally. My sister and I knew we couldn't do it alone. Lesson number one was team. You have to surround yourself with like-minded people. And so that's what we got started with. We started rallying our closest friends and saying, this is our idea. Come and join our team. And so we started growing that out to where today Bye Plastic Bags is one of the largest NGOs in the country of Indonesia. So I read that you and your sister went on a hunger strike uh, in order to meet the governor so that you could talk to him about banning plastic bags. So where did this thought of starting a hunger strike come about and what impact did that have? Yeah, so we um, at this moment, um, you know, we'd been campaigning for several months, almost a year in now, and we were like, okay, we have to get the attention of the government because we knew, again, as much as we needed a team, we needed all levels of society, which included the government, to create this tangible change we wanted to see. So we were writing letters every day, we were calling them every day, we were knocking on the doors every day, but we still got no answer. And so for us, uh, at the time, we gave our first international um, speaking uh, gig and that happened to be in India and we learned about Mahatma Gandhi and the peaceful ways that he yeah exactly and the peaceful ways that he (laughs) created change so for us it was um, a a huge inspiration for us to say okay how can maybe we can get the attention in a peaceful way through a food strike and um, that's when we got the idea when we came back home to Bali within 24 hours we got the first phone call from the governor's office saying let's let's schedule a meeting You've done so many beach cleanup drives, done workshops as well, done awareness drives. You've actually seen the negative impact that plastic has had on our environment. So could you please elaborate on that? Like how has single-use plastic affected our planet today? Single-use plastic, oh, where do we even get started? Um, I know that many of you um, that are listening to this podcast, it's almost preaching to the choir um i feel like you are you know listening to this because you're already interested you already have seen the massive headlines viral posts about plastic and the problem we're here uh, or experiencing right now um but here in bali on the other hand it's it's completely a different story we're seeing um the single use plastic being used on a daily basis uh, to an extreme where you know people are going to the supermarket the the culture here is very much uh, going to a supermarket buying one or two things putting it in a plastic bag coming home and then once you throw it away it either is being burned buried or thrown away in the rivers dumped in the uh, illegal dump sites so this is the true essence of single use, right? We're using it for less than 30 minutes. We're using it literally one time and not thinking about the consequences. And that consequence is that plastic is ending up in our environment and breaking down into tiny little pieces 
which then enters a lot of ecosystems, including our own health ecosystem. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I, I, I really feel that, you know, after some years, maybe you'll have no planet left and only plastic. <laughs> I know. We, can't work, we cannot work towards that, though. We have to stop. Absolutely. So uh, there was this recent report by the United Nations Global Biodiversity Outlook, which stated that the world has collectively failed to achieve even a single goal that they set out a decade ago on conserving biodiversity. So they had actually planned that they'll fulfill all these goals by 2020. And here we are, 2020 is almost over. So what's your idea on the corrective measures and probably the collective actions that we can take as young people to achieve the goals that are set for the year 2030? I believe that young people, for starters, we can accelerate this change because we're innovative, because we have an entrepreneurial mindset, and we also genuinely don't look at things as burdens but as opportunities. So when we come up or when we look at these goals, um, a lot of us, at least in my experience and in my circle, we're like, oh, they're not happening fast enough, right? Which is what you just said as well. We're seeing massive barriers that we're not overcoming. Um, and it's, yes. it's, it's ego, it's political, it's money-driven intentions. A lot of this comes from the old system. And what I think we're experiencing right now, especially with the pandemic and COVID-19, it's an unprecedented opportunity for us to switch gears. And, you know, we have also also 2020 as a symbolic start to the decade of change through action. Although the pandemic right. has made our to-do list longer, has hindered a lot of the progress that we've been seeing and that we've been experiencing, it, it also shows that we really cannot continue the way that we were going for so many years. It, we really need to see a radical change in all systems that include all aspects of our lifestyle, the way we eat, the way we work, the way we consume, the way we purchase, the way we communicate. This is the moment in time where we're given the opportunity to completely radically change that. And it's one of my biggest uh, you know, questions that keep me up personally at night. Like, are we, are we learning the lesson? Are we understanding that this is the moment, this is a chance that we're able to, to change and take action? So I feel like uh, we, have a, we have a huge, huge, huge responsibility upon us, especially our generation, to be able to accelerate this change and hold people accountable because these goals are there and they're good, but will we reach them and are they enough? I think that's the questions that we are looking for answers. Yes, those are definitely the questions that need answers at the moment. So you mentioned the pandemic and how do you think that the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the world when it comes to achieving the sustainable development goals that were laid down by the UN? Well, I do think that this is where, again, like the more and more research we're doing, we're seeing um, that the pandemic has halted or again, hindered a lot of the progress that has been happening. But again, it's just a confirmation that we need, to, we need to understand the narrative that each and every SDG, Sustainable Development Goal, is interlinked. We cannot focus only on one and hope that the rest will follow. It has to be a collaborative effort that doesn't only include the UN, it doesn't only include the government, and it doesn't only include one SDG. It's a whole, um, it's, it's, it's a 
I mean, it's a, it's the biggest roadmap in history um, that has been set, and I think um, it's a challenge. What COVID-19 has shown us is that we, we really need to change everything from the way we even think and the way we work. So speaking of challenges, uh, as a young change maker, you've received so much global recognition spoken on various platforms uh, for our planet. But during your journey, there definitely would have been some challenges, some frustrating moments, right? Where you must have felt like, oh gosh, what do I do? So how did you overcome those challenges? Yeah, I mean, this is really, I don't, I feel like I don't talk enough about the challenges. And a lot of people also, you know, exclude that in articles. But young changemakers, we face a tremendous amount of challenges. And for me personally, things like keeping motivation at a long-term how do you stay motivated right. when you're not seeing change happening fast enough? Those were real emotions and challenges that we experience on a daily basis. Um, funding, getting capital to keep going, um, you know, because at one point it's more than just uh, an event. It's more than just a, an activity that your team is doing. At the end of the day, I think one of the biggest challenges, even still today, what I uh, find a, a huge learning curve is working together with uh government, policymakers, and I think that this, this is just because there is a large disconnect that really needs to be built as you grow a relationship, as you grow a connection, but understanding the bureaucratic system that you're trying to change has always been as frustrating, challenging, because you see how uh, big the elephant is in the room and how slow change is for one simple goal, like banning single-use plastic bags. Right, absolutely. Was there any aha moment or anything like that in your journey? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. On a small scale and on a big scale, obviously, when the ban came into place here on the island on plastic bags, straws and styrofoam, that was a huge like achievement um, for us and uh, the, the entire movement on the island of many like-minded NGOs. But for me personally, I felt like a lot of... Um, just gratitude, I think, is what it comes down to. Just a lot of gratitude when another young person from a random space in the world would reach out and say, like, you know, you inspired me to start taking action because you showed us it could be done. And I think, you know, those are the moments that count. Those are the moments where I'm like, okay, at least, like, um, especially, like, towards the ban, if when that didn't happen, I was like, well, you know, at least we could become a living example that kids can do things and I think that counted a lot. So how did you feel when finally you got to know that all your efforts had made a difference and that the government had finally banned plastic bags and all forms of single-use plastic in Bali? Oh my goodness where do I start here? Um, This is a whole um, feeling for me like it just it was almost like disbelief, you know, I was like, no, already, like now, even though it was six years for us to get to this point, and even before us, there are incredible NGOs on the ground that have been working harder, been working longer, um, to really get the policy, the regulation work in place, but for us as a group of young people, I mean, we, we celebrated, and we had so much, like, um, pride and gratitude because it shows that young people can really do things and I think that that's what also makes Bye Bye Plastic Bags stand out Um, and what our blueprint really is is that yeah we had an idea and yes we were young when we created it but see the change that we were able to inspire and move forward 
Um, so it felt really good. I felt like kind of a, not a chapter closed in a sad way, but kind of like I could take a deep breath of fresh air and be like, okay, what's next? Given everything that Malati has discussed so far, I mean, it just, it gives me so much hope that there are so many people, so many young people that are really putting in this kind of work and dedication and commitment. I, you know, working in conservation is not the easiest thing, right? It can be, you know, really disheartening a lot of times where we're dealing with a lot of issues and problems and devastation and loss. And it's really great to hear a story like this, a really positive story, uh, you know, out of all the the darkness that we tend to come across as environmentalists. What do you think about that? Her story is like a beacon of hope uh, in these dark times. And after listening to her speak at several events across years, I really feel that young people can and will make a difference. We are the future. And when we set out to do something with all our heart and soul in it, we can achieve it. So when it comes to young people uh, like Melati, like Greta Thunberg, who are inspiring millions of people across all ages. And right now, this is exactly what our planet needs because we are on the brink of the sixth mass extinction. And pandemics, mass extinction, climate change, this is a reality. And we have to wake up and we have to do something about this. And I really feel that the biggest threat to our planet is the thought that someone else will save it. So if we just keep on waiting for someone else to do the job, no one would do it. It's not going to happen. And it's sort of just, it's being proactive. You know, just when I'm just thinking about how, you know, what I was doing when I was 10 and 12. You know, I was not thinking about huge global environmental impacts. You know, I was on the playground. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> um, and even at even at nineteen, you know, I was worried about college and and just very focused on myself and my own world, right? And I just love that she has dedicated so much of her worldview outside of herself. And I can relate to her a lot because uh, I also started out my entire journey in wildlife and conservation when I was about 11 and 12 at that age. Oh my gosh. Yeah, into, uh, but I wasn't so proactive as starting an organization as such, but I started for wildlife photography at that age. And somewhere down the line, by the time I was 15, 16, I began making a difference in my local community. So I, I can relate to her to a large extent and how one balances the studies, your college, your school, along with what you love doing. Well, Ash, thanks for, thanks for jumping in, uh, Right here, we still have a little bit of the episode left and uh, more amazing things to hear from Malati. So you're working on a film, right? Bigger than us. So what's this whole film about and how do you plan to create impact using the medium of films? Yeah, I mean, this is a whole new world for me. I... um... It was, it, was, it was very fascinating. I graduated a year early and uh, I got to do this film in my gap year, which was an absolute like dream come true. It's called Bigger Than Us and uh, it's a story about how I uh, traveled around the world because at this moment in time I was just 
completely burnt out as a young 16 17 year old change maker and I wanted to meet more young people who could speak the same language in a sense you know who could wake up every day and feel like they're part of something bigger than them so that's really what the the movie storyline is about we traveled to seven eight different countries um, met these young change makers in their local area and learned about so many different issues but I think uh, the power of film is just incredible um, I think it transcends so many things because it combines the visual and the storytelling um, and it's just one of the most beautiful experiences so I really can't wait until it's out in the public and released out into the world wow I can't wait to see it either so any um, particular memorable story or experience during this whole filming process for you Oh my gosh, there's so many. I don't even know where to choose. But I think, you know, for me, one of the most uh, impactful, I guess, out of my out of my bubble experience, one of the most eye-opening experiences was um, we went to several refugee camps in Lebanon, but also in Lesvos in Greece, and just the strong contrast of human rights issues, uh, connected to the environmental issues for me that was like one of the biggest eye-opening experiences where I was like okay the narrative really is interconnected or it needs to be interconnected more and more so for me that was probably one of the biggest moments for me where I learned so much so Melati you recently launched Youthtopia as a young change maker what inspired you to do so I mean, it's a it's a great question, and I feel also really um, strong as part of the story and the ne- natural next step for me. Like after seven years with bioplastic bags, um, you know, we we were in so many different classrooms all around the world, and the key question that we got, no matter where we were, was how can I do what you do? This was students from all different kinds of backgrounds, all different cultures, but they all asked this question. And that's really where like, I thought, okay, we have to create something where uh, young people can learn from each other. There's so many more young people out there that are already doing incredible things, but there's also a huge um, portion of the population of young people that don't even know where to start, how to build a team, how to speak in public basic foundational skills of how to be a change maker and the school system the traditional school system currently isn't providing us this knowledge so we're not a school we're not a university we're a community-centric platform with learning at its core and we work with frontline young change makers to build programs for the rising young change makers so for all of those students that are asking the questions my answer would be learn from youthtopia and come join us Absolutely. So you mentioned some foundations of being a change maker, right? So how can young people do that? I mean, what are these foundations and how can they go about changing the world? Yeah, I, I mean, it, for me, it's still like, uh, I mean, I'm learning every single day about how to get started. What I mean, there's so many different ways and different approaches. But for me, what I always say is like, if you want to get started, the core element is for you to feel... 100% connected and passionate about the project, about your vision. It has to come from a place of authenticity because too many times um, we're pressured into doing something that looks good for a CV or that looks good for a college application and that's the wrong place to get started. Um, so before you know, looking into skills like how to build a team, how to write a business model, we have to understand and really sit with ourselves to take the time and feel that connection 
to like, this is what I'm going to dedicate the next, you know, several years, however long it takes to see that change happening. That's, that's what I would say or advise um, young people to kind of set the grounds in before getting started. So what are your three tips, like your top three tips for the young people who are listening on the show? Like how can they be change makers? Okay, on a separate side note, come join Youthtopia, um, sign up with us and <laughs> you'll get some programs on, on exactly more than three tips than I can give you now. But um, my three top tips always are, one, get that connection, feel that place of authenticity of where you're getting started with your vision. Then know your outcome. What exactly is it that you want to see change in your local community, on your national community, on an international level? Be very clear about this end goal. Because when you have that clear, people will be able to join you and your vision, your mission. And then thirdly, build your team. This is so important. So many times we may think that we have a really great idea or we are a really good leader, but building your team is essential to take your idea into the next level. When I think about the beginning uh, and the days that when we first got started, it excites me so much. And I actually, I miss it a lot because we were very like grassroots, hands-on. And we were, every weekend, for example, we would be out in the village um, distributing alternative bags for free to the local um, shop owners. And like the connection and the stories that we would be getting were just so like it, it, it is what excited me and you have to understand as well like I was not an outgoing child you know I was very shy and quiet but this work and through activism I slowly found my voice and I think that that's also really special because a lot of the times I see um, you know more quieter more introverted um, youth look at me and be like but how can you be so outgoing and I'm like I'm not I'm exactly like you I was the kid in the back of the classroom at all times um, like just it wasn't my it wasn't my thing to go out there so I feel like at the beginning it it was so outside of my comfort zone and I was so uncomfortable um but there was just something that brought me out to the front lines every day and that's this passion of connection to really um you know spend 30 minutes uh on on the floor of a a warung we call them the local shops here in Indonesia and just sitting down and exchanging stories why is it hard to say no to plastic why do they still use plastic? And this, you start understanding the bigger picture. And I think that's really important. Um, so yeah, probably now with how my day-to-day -day looks, which is a lot of answering emails and a lot of Zoom calls, I kind of wish that I could time travel for like a week or so just to kind of go back into that carefree beginning <laughs> version of bye-bye plastic bags. You obviously had to balance school life, activism, and your studies all at the same time, right? So how does one get to do that? I mean, how was it for you to balance all these things? Uh, for, for once, like for me, it was quite a task to devote my time equally among all these different activities because school life is really, really uh, demanding. So how was your balancing act like? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how I did it, but it's probably because I went to the green school. And um, if I went to any other school, it would have probably not not existed today, to be honest. Um, the green school is like this beautiful school in the middle of the jungle, no walls, bamboo, everything. And um, I was encouraged to kind of make my own agenda. 
And as a student that was very like determined, but also loved the activism more than math class or English mm-hmm. class, I actually took on my whole scheduling, especially towards the last two years of high school, I was very intense with making sure I graduated a year early. But it required a lot of uh, student leadership. It required a lot of time management. And also, um, for me, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's time management, the leadership aspects of it, and then kind of being as prepared as possible to share and articulate what it is you achieved. The fact that I grew up here in Bali, in Indonesia, I'm not sure if you feel the same actually, Aishwarya, but like here, because I'm so surrounded by a a beautiful culture, um, a beautiful environment, for me, like that was a huge part as to like building my personality of being so open, being like open to exploring. Uh, I think that is also a huge contributor to why I was able to um, accelerate school balance, school and activism. And I think it kind of just made me very well-rounded. That's amazing. And on that note, thank you so much, Melati, for joining us today. It was lovely talking to you. And I'm very sure that all our listeners out there will be so, so inspired by you. Yay! Thank you so much. I'm so excited that you're doing this. I'm really happy to have been a part of it. Well, Ash, thank you so much for seeking this episode out and and allowing us to hear a little bit about Malati's story. I mean, she really is an incredible, incredible individual and so inspiring, as you mentioned. You know, she's it's, it sounds like she's informed a lot of of you of you and and the work that you want to do. And you know, you joining Utopia and and joining that network and of, of mentorship and um, I just think it's it's truly truly amazing the the ripple effect that she's been able to create at such a young age. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that you know I was thinking about this too. Is you know we we have heard of the the Greta Thunbergs before. She is somebody that I really hope that we elevate as a society. You know, and we start to focus on change makers that are in different parts of the world too. Um, you know, because those stories are just as important, sometimes even more so because we're dealing with communities of color and, you know, lower income communities, um, island communities, uh, communities that are probably going to be like really impacted by climate change and sea level rise faster. Um, so I really hope that, you know, she is that person that we, we start to hear more about in, in the sort of mainstream American European media too. Yes, I hope so too, Serena. And people like Melati, like Greta Thunberg, they are people who can inspire millions and they are the youth icons. In fact, they are the leaders of tomorrow. So I really hope that even she gets that level of exposure. As a woman, you know, we're both women in conservation. Melati is another young woman in conservation. How does it feel to to see a young, not only a young person, but a young woman kind of take on this role Um, and be so successful with what she's been able to achieve. It feels so amazing and so inspiring to see women, young girls like Melati, take huge strides in a field like wildlife and conservation and activism where many women have not been able to make a successful mark. And I feel that 
the more women enter this field, the better it gets because we can definitely learn off and from each other. And there's so much of hope that girls can do anything. Yeah, and I think for women, it, it's sort of like we have to seek out, you know, our journey ourselves. You know, nothing's going to be handed to us. Nothing's going to fall into our lap. So we really have to be proactive in in finding and in, in making our own path and charting our own course. And I, I mean, it's absolutely inspiring to see you and just just all the other amazing women in conservation that I've come across. You know, we we have to work twice as hard. You know, we have to we have to deal with so many challenges and um, exactly the, the glass. It's, 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 it's real what we have to deal with. So, you know, any, any stride that I see a woman make, I'm just, I'm cheering her on. I'm like, yeah, girl, go. You know? so I want to see more of that and, and more women supporting other women too. So, um, I mean, truly, truly amazing. And, and thank you so much for this episode. And I hope, that you can get some sleep now as it's almost, what, 9 p.m. your time now? 10 p.m. Oh, 10.30. 10.30 your time. And I'm just about to start my day here on the West Coast. So, you know, Ash, thank you. Good day to you, Serena. So thank you so much for listening to the Earth to Humans podcast. The interview with Melati Weissen is also available exclusively for our Patreon community on Patreon. And if you guys are not a member yet, then please go ahead and support our work. We are doing uh, about two to three creations in a month. So you can do that for less than a dollar per creation. And it would really help us uh, to continue to bring more important stories to you. And by contributing, you become an immediate part of our wonderful family. And the best way to do that is to head over to patreon.com slash wildlandscollective. And that allows you to directly be a part of what we are doing. Because we cannot do this without you guys. A very big thank you to Melati Weissen for joining us today. And if you are interested in finding more about the amazing and incredible work that Bye Bye Plastic Bag does, then please head over to www.byebyeplasticbags.org or you can connect with them through Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Their handle is at the rate Bye Bye Plastic Bags. And for the young, aspiring change makers out there, if you want to know how to do it and how can you also make a difference, then please go to Utopia's Instagram account to learn more about their programs. I'm also a part of this incredible network, so you can learn some amazing and very cool stuff there. For a full list of this episode's links and contributors, including music used in the show, please visit the show notes page on www.wildlandsinc.org slash eth215. So this is Aishwarya Sridhar, your host, reminding you once again that we have only one precious earth, our home. A very big thank you for tuning in and listening. Mm-hmm.